Our uh, text this evening is the, as I said, the Old Testament reading in Joel 2. Um, I'd like to take you back to uh, the last two verses, 18 and 19. It says, Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. This is our text. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, I would suppose, without thinking about it too much, you could probably remember offending someone over your lifetime, because uh, we all do that. Sometimes it's bigger, and sometimes it's smaller, but we all do. Uh, and I think, um, if I'm remembering right, we usually start with our families, because that's where most of our fussing comes from, especially our parents. If you can remember being small enough, you probably remember speaking to your parents in a less than respectful way and they got kind of irritated. This is particularly true if you're a teenager, I suppose. Uh, you will remember those things because, well, and some of you, your kids did that to you too, so you'd <laughs> even more uh, understanding of such a thing. But see, how, how do you come back from an offense like that? It's, it's hard to imagine if you really offend someone deep uh, by whatever you say or by whatever you do, it, it's hard to imagine coming back from there. How do you make it up? And ultimately, the answer is, well, you really can't. Uh, you can try to uh, make up emotionally, so to speak, but it's pretty hard to fix stuff. Uh, it's not really possible to forgive yourself or demand forgiveness or anything like that. Mercy is always undeserved, but I think perhaps we always can have some hope. Now, I, I uh, was thinking about that because in Joel's day, they had been, well, they'd been pretty rotten. <laughs> they, uh, this is probably, uh, I don't know, 250 years maybe before the exile, but that tells you how long they've been messing up. Uh, they had done so many bad things. They had really bad kings, one after another. You can read the book of Kings, and it is very evident that that's the case. Uh, and uh, bad leadership tends to cause people to do dumb stuff. That's, that's what's been going on. And, and this was going on in Israel, but of course it goes on in other places because all the other places were already pagan and they had no uh, help with that, really. And, and, uh, but in Israel, it was, it was bad as well. So, and, and it was bad enough that God was ready to, well, to, to drop a load on them. That, that would be uncomfortable and unhappy uh, to do away with them even. But it was so bad, most people had entirely forgotten about what Moses had said to them from the mountain. It was getting to be a long time ago. Uh, they weren't really looking at the Book of the Covenant anymore. In fact, in, in some cases, they didn't even know where the thing was. Uh, and they had no notion of the covenant they'd made with God. And so they were acting kind of like everybody else, and it wasn't going well. The temple was uh, doing very little, although there were still priests in there. Uh, and it, it uh, showed, I'll say it that way. The prophets had been saying for a pretty long time 
that, uh, that these people were lost with sin and uh, condemnation was coming and that they should be uh, thinking about repentance and coming around on this and, and they're really, they, they weren't listening to the prophets and it wasn't going well that way either. Uh, except that was the only word they were getting from God because the people in the temple were not doing their job. So how, how can they come back from that is again the question. Uh, if, if things are so bad that you're offending God every day many, many times, how are you supposed to come back from that when the wages of sin is death? You, you'd think there were, was no one listening at all the way it was going. Uh, and prophets were talking to the wind, but when you see this part of Joel speaking, there's hope in it. Or at least that's what it looks like. Now it may seem that Joel's people are so much worse than we are. <laughs> uh, I have a little trouble with that thought, but uh, you know, just, um, and, and you, you probably need uh, to be taught more if you think they were worse than you are. I mean, I, I almost hate to say that to you, but that's just a fact. That as a people, they were far from God, and there were a few exceptions of that, but you live in this world too. Uh, if you look around you, there's uh, most people are fully denying God, and some are uh, less negative about it, but they don't care, and they're certainly not acting like they care. Uh, this, is, this is the world we live in. It's... Uh, it's, it's bad enough to, to make you weep if you're paying attention. And uh, I think we're doing a little self-examination. Of course, that's what we're doing here. To consider your many sins. Uh, I don't think you're in denial of that because you confess them whenever you hang around this place. Uh, e even I would suppose you would take a look across the, the path of just this day and you could find something to call sin. It's not difficult to do if you're paying attention. At the time, it probably went by pretty easy, but if you think about it, then you know, because you know who you are. Um, you probably even did some bad ones on occasion. I mean, bad enough that uh, you stay up at night thinking about it sometimes. It's, it's, it's uh, pretty upsetting. I know that bothers me sometimes and and it's like well it, it matters it matters all the time it matters a lot of days and it matters enough to keep you up at night but so uh, so look through your past take a look across that uh, what you can remember of it uh, uh, and you can recall some big regrets there i've no doubt so can you make that up? Can you make it right? Now, and remember that every time that you go off the rails like that, you offend God as well. That's what sin is. It's a God offense. Uh, it might involve people too. Uh, in fact, it usually does. But you cannot make this up to God. Every single sin, every last one is death to God. And, and, and Joel's people might seem far gone, but every Christian should know and easily confess that they know how impossible it is for them to, to fix this, to, to have a place before God considering all that we've done. Uh, it, it just, uh, 
must be impossible for us to fix. And that's not a, not a happy place to be. Being called out like this, like Joel's words today, where he calls everybody out. I mean, everybody is called out, down to the babies. And uh, you know, it's pretty hard to get people to come back from their honeymoons, but he calls them too. He tells the, the, the guys at the temple to get busy and to call everybody out. And, and, and for, so they're all paying attention. That's what he's calling for. And, and that is essentially why we come here and uh, observe Ash Wednesday and the, and the days of Lent. It's the strongest kind of call that you might hear from God, or at least this may be one that gets under your skin an awful lot. He, he wants you to repent with your heart, with all your heart. And, and you know, that's pretty hard to do because you're always hedging and reserving and holding back because, you know, you like to believe that everything's okay, but it's not. And, and uh, with all your heart is, is necessary because if you're repenting any less than that, just acting it out, just doing things that seem like they would be helpful, it, and it's not in your heart, it, it probably is a waste of time, just like it was for the people that were with Joel. For then you might say something like, uh, at least I'm not as bad as them. Uh, but that's not, not true. Human beings are a mess. And last I checked, they're all human beings. And, and that's a, a problem. Uh, it may be different from you than it is for them as well. When, when your heart hears this word, uh, if you listen to what he says here, God knows you'll respond. He knows. Uh, if you look at verse 17, you get uh, a word here, spare your people, O Lord, is a prayer, right? Make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the prophets, where is their God? That's, that's the, the appeal of the people that work at the temple. And then the very next verse, 18, God is now zealous for his land. He has pity on his people and he answers them that he will in his own way have mercy on them and care for them and supply them and give them what they need to take away their reproach. That's the next verse. You didn't see any time frame in there. There wasn't any gap. There was, please help me and God helps me. No matter where they were, no matter what they'd done, that's the way God is. And he didn't say this like, Maybe it'll happen. He says, this is what will be. This is from Joel speaking for God. They will ask and I will respond. In fact, he says it in such a way that he's done it already. That's how certain it is. It's really quite impressive that God does this. He knows you'll respond. He knows uh, how this is going to work. He doesn't wait for a response. And, and, and he knows uh, everything that is uh, in your minds and in your hearts because he put it there. So you are here as, um, well, as an act of repentance this evening. Now you may not have thought about it like that, but you have heard 
that this is the place where forgiveness lies. You knew that you would hear that here. Uh, and it's the same reason you're always here, if you're here, because you seek that very thing. And it's not simply because you should be here, but God was certain you'd come. He spoke already to Joel about his uh, certainty of forgiving sin, forgiving you, and it's done at Christ's cross, already done, before you were here, before you ever had a thought, let alone a sin, and he knows it even with the sins you have yet to commit, the cross has already happened. He has already sent the Holy Spirit to take up residence in your heart. The desire you have to be in his presence here, he inspired. He inspired in you and promised he'd be here with you. And so you are. Jesus is the only son of the living God and he died for your forgiveness and has granted you the full love and grace and favor and even access to the heavenly father. This is already done for you. And with the Father laid the Holy Spirit on your heart, which is already done for you. And it is for that exact reason that you have come to respond to his call for repentance and to seek the forgiveness and the grace of God. That's why you came. So you repent. So you wait and anticipate a celebration of your salvation in Christ. And so you are indeed saved. And God was always certain this was so. He made it so in you. He inspired repentance. And as he said to Joel, he gave sacrifice himself for his people. That's Christ. That's his son. That's your salvation. That's already done for you. Uh, as I've been saying, things can get pretty bad. They were pretty bad in Joel's day. And I imagine they've been bad in your life at one time or another. But it's just, if you look at the very opening words here, uh, the Lord himself declares, yet even now, as, as bad as all things were and as much trouble as was coming, he says, yet even now, he calls for that repentance. No one could make up even a single sin, but he responds to repentance. He inspires the repentance that he responds to, and he calls you anyway. No matter how bad things have ever been, he calls you here. So bring your broken heart to the cross. That's what he wants you to do. Know with God that you are forgiven and that everything that has ever occurred and everything that happens in the future all will be forgiven and made whole because that is your salvation in Jesus. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.